Hi, my name is Panta Kalhor and you're listening to Transition by Panta Kalhor Podcast. I created this platform to help you grow and move forward easier through your transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing journey, or starting a brand new life. Episode 170, Authors Promotion Show, Trajectory with Greg Buckwill, Certified Sales Professional and Author. Welcome to my show, Greg. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. <laughs> so I, to be honest, I love, love your book. And it's so interesting that you started working as a sales person when you were a child. <laughs> and uh, you started with a rabbit industry and then horse. You know, you had a really uh, interesting trajectory. <laughs> So tell us about sale. First, tell us about your book. How did you end up to write this book? And uh, how um, and why do you want to talk about this today with us? You already published this book. I saw it and uh, you got a very good ranking as well. Well, you know, thanks for having me. And, you know, I've had a passion for sales for a really long time. I I didn't recognize what it was when I was nine years old, uh, setting up a, a lawn care uh, you know, business. But, you know, through raising rabbits and selling horses and dogs and, you know, and I had an animal feeds distributorship. And those were all steps that uh, I maybe didn't really know where all those steps were going to take me. But I really ended up with a passion for for sales and for customer service and for meeting people's needs. But throughout the four decades that I've been in sales, I really recognized maybe in the final chapters of my career that those that enter the arena of selling oftentimes leave because they fail to get the correct coaching or mentoring or training. And so, I decided to write this book, which was maybe a 15 or 20 year goal that I wasn't sure I'd ever do. But in retirement, three months into my retirement, COVID hit, and I really had a lot of time on my hands to do it. So I said, I'm going to do it. And so my book title is Trajectory. And the book really is pointed at those at the front end of their sales careers. And my hope is to guide them around the potholes and the landmines that I stepped into. I'm very transparent in my book with my own failures, the things that I did right, the things that I did wrong, the things that don't work. And so my hope would be to really see people utilize my playbook as a guide to learn how to do it. I, I literally tell them, do this, don't do that. So give me some tips about sales. I just want to start uh, from the beginning. What age you been when you start rabbit industry and what did you do exactly? Well, I really didn't know what I was doing when I was a kid. I really didn't even know that I was in sales. I was just trying to make some money. I, I learned early as a nine-year-old cutting lawns that I could... I could make some money and it, you know it wasn't a lot at the time but i remember clearly um 
my parents giving me 25 cents to put out the garbage every week, but I could cut a lawn for $2. Like I was rich. And then, you know, from there I started raising rabbits. Uh, that was a few years later. And that was really, really profitable. And, you know, I was able to make a deal with, with an adult lady who was actually selling rabbits to uh, grocery stores. And so, you know, I would raise them up to about four pounds and then sell them to her and she would sell them to the grocery stores. And, you know, then one day, uh, I don't know, a dog or a coyote killed all my rabbits overnight and it left me with one. Oh. And so that kind of put me out of the rabbit business. But I was raised on a horse ranch. Well, uh, what age you been there that time? Uh, 13. Oh, okay. Yes. And, you know, even, even there, I started to realize that, you know, I really like the feel of money. And so uh, when I was 16, I actually decided one Christmas to buy thousands and thousands of poinsettias from a um, flower grower. And I sold them to all of the minor hockey people around our community who were needed to raise money for hockey tournaments. And so I, I bought thousands, about 5,000 poinsettias, and I was able to sell them all. And, uh, you know, that just kind of triggered, you know, more money in my pockets. And, you know, it was kind of a one-time thing. But, you know, then around 17, I really started to, I don't know, watch my dad wheel and deal in the horse business. And uh, I was able to buy a one-day-old foal for $3,000, really high-quality breeding. And I sold her a year later for $8,000. So now I I really had some money in my pockets. Wow, that's amazing. And I was still in, I was still in high school. And uh, so it, it really became a whole bunch of little stepping stones toward becoming uh, a real salesperson. I don't think I was a sales professional back then because I really didn't know what it took to be that person. But uh, the life insurance business was probably when I really started to learn how to do it and how to really conduct myself as a professional uh, back then, we all wore suits and ties, and we at least looked the part. And uh, I was I was coached and mentored uh, by someone, uh, but it just wasn't it wasn't the business that I wanted to do. Uh, I did really well in it, but I just I just knew that I didn't want to do it forever. And from there, I I recognized that I really needed more training, and so I. Uh, I, I got a job at a men's clothing store and that taught me how to sell other things and sort of person to person. So there's many, many steps and then spent really probably 30 years in the electrical business and the pneumatic hydraulics, really industrial sales. So my book is really wrapped around how to, how to make a sales call. What are the actual steps involved? in making a sales call because it is a process. Uh, oftentimes people think that, you know, if you can talk well and schmooze well or 
do those kinds of things that you'll succeed. But there really is a process and the best listeners make the best salespeople. So give me an example from good sale that you were so happy with it and it was a high ticket sale. Yeah, tell me about it. And what was your strategy? <laughs> well, you know, in the early days, it uh, a sale that started out really small turned out to be something really large, but it took time to cultivate a relationship where I talk about in my book about the success triangle. And if you draw a triangle and you write the word no, uh, K-N-O-W, no, like, and trust, trust goes across the bottom. It took time for me to develop that success triangle with every single customer. But one in particular, my first sale to him was $96.30. And over a few years, we developed a relationship where he got to know me, like me, and trust me. And I really, really liked dealing with him. He was fair. He had high integrity. And we grew that business to over $200,000 a year. So that was very, very satisfying. And then way later in my career, just before I retired, I was able to put together a large project for a cannabis operation in British Columbia and our sale was 1.3 million so it's interesting to me the different sales that brought a great deal of satisfaction and it wasn't always the million dollar sales sometimes it was you know the $50,000 sale that really took a long time to develop that success triangle So what are the tips that you see some people cannot be a good sales people? Like I see it all lots of failures in selling and they, you, you, sometimes you just want to escape from them. <laughs> what can we do? Like, what are your tips to be successful and what are the failure factors? Well, I, I think, you know, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of stories and I've actually shared some of the stories in my book where I, I actually interviewed six successful salespeople. Some have been, some were in sales two years, some five, some 35. And I asked them all the same questions. You know, were they afraid? Did they ever feel intimidation? What did they do right? What did they do wrong? And what I would say, there isn't necessarily a perfect recipe for, uh, you know, if you if, if you are this, if you do, are that, you will succeed. A lot of it has to do with uh, temperament. You have to know yourself well. And you also have to know the temperament of your customer. Because I talk a lot about selling to temperaments. And, you know, you know somebody might talk about your personality. They probably won't talk about your temperament. But if you don't learn how to sell to temperaments, you probably will really struggle in the sales arena. And so finding a mentor is really important at the front end of your career. Uh, I interviewed uh, one person in my book who really doubted himself. He didn't feel like he had the right temperament to sell, but somebody else in his organization 
recognized that he had what it took. And he sort of wrapped his arms around him and really led him to the point where he started to believe in himself. And so, you know, that was really, really critical for him to believe in himself, to have somebody else who believed in him, caught him doing things right. And that's important to catch people doing things right and tell them so. And today he's very, very successful in his field. Beautiful. Yes. You're right. You, I see you had some, the, the words no. And uh, you had a lot of strategies there and I love all of them because um, I, I haven't been a salesperson, but right now in my business, I have to <laughs> work with clients uh, for my coaching and for my also uh, books and other business I have. But the point is, it's not the sale, as you said. You have to see the needs of the customer first, right? So if you, you cannot sell something that is not needed, <laughs> right? And that's the problem with many sales per people because they, they try to sell something to you that you really don't need this. <laughs> one, of the, one of the key attributes of a good salesperson is, is the ability to ask the right questions. So if you don't know what the need is, you may be selling to the need that doesn't exist. And so this is especially true, you know, when you and I are out shopping and somebody and you want, you're going to buy a new dishwasher or a new car or a house or, you know, something that's really a big value. If the salesperson just tries to sell you the item, A, you don't want or don't need, or it's the wrong color, or you know it doesn't suit you, it can really turn you off. But the right type of salesperson will ask quality questions, not just yes or no questions, but open-ended questions that you know allow a conversation to take place. And then you sell to needs. In my business, I always tried to determine what the top three priorities of the customer was. And then I would sell to his priorities. If his priority was price, that's all he wanted was the, the cheapest thing he could get. Well, then I would probably have two or three different options. And I wouldn't sell him the Lamborghini if he wanted, you know, the, the Camry. You know, it's it's you have to sell exactly. within the parameters of of budgetary constraints, for instance, and and needs like who we don't all need a, a Corvette. We we can get by with, uh, you know, the vehicle that we're driving. Yeah, that's the most important one, especially, uh, let's say, in for entrepreneurs who are doing a lot of sales these days, like virtually digital product, right? So what do you recommend for people who are selling digital products, not the physical one? Well, you know, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot more of that going on. Just like you and I are chatting right now, we're not face-to-face -face in person. And the other challenge right now is when we do go to sell face-to-face, -face, we're, we're all wearing masks. And it, it has made face-to-face uh, -face selling very, very challenging uh, by the same token. Uh, selling digitally 
is equally as challenging because you're you don't really get to i don't know feel the the air between you the electricity that might travel between two people um, and so it's it is a real challenge and i think it's probably even probably even requires even sharper selling skills because you really don't know whether you have the other person's attention especially if you're on uh you know microsoft teams or zoom where you might have 10 or 15 or 50 people on the call you really have no idea who's listening and you don't know whether you know you're pointing your sales pitch at one particular person but they're maybe checking their phone messages or you know, something else has distracted them so it's become very difficult and for those people that are selling with uh, budgets monthly budgets it becomes a very very challenging uh, journey to to do that these days so rather than trust uh, what uh, what other skills or what other attributes you recommend for being a good sales man well I, I think a lot of it has to do with you know being patient that uh, no like and trust is is very important it's you know, learning how to become a professional and that that is that meeting that person for the first time and you've got seven to 10 seconds to to make uh, make your appearance uh, to have an impact on the other person. And that may have to do with sim simple things like grooming, uh, looking the part, having, you know, good hygiene, having good listening skills, uh, you know, when you're selling in person, which is what I did most of my career, there's actual steps to a sales call. And whenever I would go into somebody's office for the first time, the first step in every sales call is trying to find some commonality between me and the other person. And I would quickly glance around their office. I mean, not for 10 seconds. I mean, we're talking a couple of seconds just glance around and try to find something that I could break the ice with. And it might be a coffee mug or a hat, or they might have a picture of their family or their dog or a boat, anything that I could try to start a conversation on that wasn't necessarily about the product that I was there to present. And then, you know, you can't do that forever. So four or five minutes, three minutes, you find something to find some, basis of commonality as soon as you have something in common it really takes the person a little bit off of their defense because nobody likes to be sold to and so as you go through the steps of a sales call then you if you've done things right you know that time has been set aside they know why you're there they know what you're coming to talk about and you reconfirm those things you make sure that you know uh you know, we agreed that we would have 25 minutes. Do we still have 25 minutes? And we agreed to talk about red apples. Is that okay? Do you still want to talk about red apples or whatever it is you're talking about? And then you, you know, you have to find out what their needs are. And we, we talked about that already. And then you dial into those needs. And then once you've gained agreement that you've actually met their needs, you ask for the order. And that's, Sometimes salespeople 
certainly at the front end of their career, become a little bit hesitant to, to ask for the purchase order. And you, you have to ask. That's, that's how you're making your living. You have to ask for the order. And I think if you've listened well, if you've asked the right questions, if you've met the customer's needs, you've slowly moved toward the sale without them really knowing it. And if they say yes enough times, pretty hard for them to say no when you ask for the order. Oh, that was interesting. Thank you so much. <laughs> so do you have any recommendation for people who just start to be a salesperson? Yes, I would suggest that they really seek out a mentor. If they're working in a particular business, it's not going to take them very long to find out who the rock stars are in their organization. Who's the person that hits their sales budget every month? Who's the person that really shows that they care about the young people coming into the business? And, you know, I had a number of mentors in my life, but none of them were official. I never really asked anybody to be my mentor. I kind of quietly stood back and watched like a hawk. And then I would mimic what I was seeing. But today, I would recommend that somebody actually have a mentor, somebody that they meet with, you know, once a week, once a month, somebody that they can be accountable to, you know, somebody that says, hey, Greg, uh, did you make your five calls yesterday? You know, Greg, did you hit your budget last month? Greg, uh, did you follow up on all of your opportunities? Uh, what does your sales funnel look like for the next quarter? You know, somebody that you you trust that's probably not your boss. It's probably not your best friend. It, it's somebody that just wants to see you succeed. And it, it's, uh, it can, my recommendation is that a mentorship at least go for a year. And you know, it, it, it's not going to be easy because this is a coach. And if you watch professional sports, you know, coaches aren't their players' best friends all the time, but they're doing things that help them succeed. So I would say mentorship is so critical in seeing someone succeed in the sales arena and to move from just being a salesperson to becoming a sales professional. So the mentor has to be a sales professional. You know, they have, they don't have to have any sort of degree. I mean, I have CSP behind my name and that means certified sales professional. And if someone wants to be in the profession of sales, I highly recommend that they invest in themselves, get a professional designation, uh, if it's not that one, it could be another one that's equal to it in whatever country they live in. But, you know, something that says that you've earned the right to be heard. I like that. So you have the website, gregbuckwheel.com. Uh, what do you have there? On that is a, uh, a product that can be printed out and carried with the salesperson. And it's actually the, the proper steps of a sales call. And the reason that that's so valuable is that they can print that out. They can laminate it. They can carry it in their car or their briefcase or whatever they're carrying with them today. And before they go into their sales call, 
they can uh, review that and make sure that they don't miss a step in the sales process. Because I'll admit that, you know, I've returned to my car at times and knew, oh my goodness, I missed a, I missed that step or I, I could have maybe been better today. You know, I'll be better on the next call. I'll be better tomorrow. Um, but if you can perfect the sales process, um, you'll really have a far greater chance to succeed. And this free gift at the front end of my book uh, is downloadable. You can laminate it, carry it with you. And I think it would really be uh, a very, very valuable tool. And your book is in Amazon.com as well. It is. It's also available as an ebook. It's also available in bookstores uh, here in British Columbia, uh, specifically here in Kelowna. And three bookstores are carrying it. And uh, so it's available in paperback, ebook, and then at the three bookstores. So it's, uh, it, it's been an exciting journey from, you know, having a goal of, I don't, I don't even know, 15 years ago to actually, um, you know, seeing your book in a bookstore is kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It's so exciting. So thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed reading your book and talking to you today. If you have any other talk or anything you think that you missed, please let us know. No? <laughs> well, you know, it, there's, my goodness, there's, there's 20 chapters, uh, you know, in this book. And there's just so many topics that need to be read. I, I really guarantee that, uh, you know, if someone picks up this book and actually reads it and applies it, that they would really enhance their chances of making it in the sales game. I would also say this, that inside the book, I have uh, highlighted little gold nuggets, little tidbits called Bok Talks. And, uh, you know, those are, those are gold nuggets for those people who perhaps already are sales professionals, but uh, are just little snippets of things that, that they probably already know are true, but maybe have forgotten. And, you know, a Bach talk number one is you're always on stage. That's the name of it. And you know what? As a sales professional, you are always on stage. There's somebody watching you. Either it's obviously going to be your boss, but it might be your kids. It's going to be the junior sales rep that shows up at work. It's going to be your customers, your competitors, your suppliers. You're always on stage. And there's 15 of those in the book, little Bok Talks, number one through, uh, through 15. But that's, that's one that every salesperson should really embrace. Another one is called uh, Beyond the Call. You know, don't just do the bare minimum. Uh, go beyond the call. Do more than the customer was expecting. Wow him with, with something that he didn't expect. Maybe he didn't expect you to call and thank him for the purchase order. Maybe he didn't expect you to call and say, hey, you bought that widget yesterday. Uh, how's it working? You know, so many people in sales today, you know, they sort of hit and run. Right. They, they, they hope the phone doesn't ring in case that thing didn't work or that car didn't start or whatever it might be. But a real sales professional uh, 
certainly doesn't want buyer's remorse. That's that's the worst. That's you don't want somebody buying something and saying, "Oh my goodness, that was horrible. I wish I could return it." You know, I I wish I didn't buy it. So there's there's a 15 of those special little talks that every salesperson can benefit from whether they've been in sales one year or 25 years. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank and you I so much for having me. For you. Yeah, thanks so, so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Please subscribe to Pontoy Calhoun Transition channel to get the latest interviews and order my book, PTSD Compass, through Amazon. How to confront PTSD and navigate trauma to triumph.